I appreciate your theme that you have in his service. Love the idea for 2023. What can we do to be in his service this year? We're supposed to be unselfish people. So the fact that we, we're peculiar, we're different than everybody else. So how can I be in his service? When your pastor shared that with me, motivated me a little bit today. And I always appreciate, appreciate coming here to Reedy Branch for sure. Such good spirit. Told my daughters, get ready for some good music because they sang at Reedy Branch. They sang a little bit over there for sure. So excited to be with you. Your pastor, always a leader to me. Always someone I know if I have questions I can turn to. He guided me through my ordination to make sure I go through that process and understand what I'm doing and what the Lord has called me to be. So I really appreciate you and the footprint that you have in the building of God's kingdom for sure. Thank you for letting me come to you today. I want to preach to our young people today. A reminder to our senior citizens and our adults today, those grandmas and grandpas and those aunts and uncles, something you can share with our young people today because your theme is to be in his service, but just as hard as you push that theme into being his service, there is something that's going to fight against us to be in his service. There's a darkness out there. There is a darkness out there. You see... I've been in youth ministry now. I've been at Magnolia Elementary School. I've been at Lumberton High School. I've been in the soup over 20 years now. And the Lord called me right at the beginning of that to start paying attention and to start learning. I started teaching in the community I was raised in, being raised by a uh, grandpa that's a chairman deacon, by my pastor, my, my pastor, Uncle Jimmy Hammonds, who was my uncle. My daddy was a Sunday school teacher. I was sheltered. I didn't d- dabble in the drugs. I didn't dabble in the alcohol a whole lot, anything like that. I found a woman who was as saved and sanctified as anybody could be who was born saved in this world. No, no I'm just playing. She wasn't born saved. <laughs> She don't like me to say that, but I found uh, the Lord sheltered me all through that. But so his plan was, how, how are you going to be able to preach to young people for the darkness and the things that they go through and you didn't go through it? He said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to put you in that classroom. He said, no, you pay attention. He said, no, you watch and see. Was my eyes open, Reedy Branch, God, about, I mean, a family that stayed a half a mile from me, quarter of a mile from me that I don't know the secrets and I don't know what they're dealing with. But she's right there in front of me. And I got her now for a whole year. And then she starts telling me. She starts letting me see. Uh, um, the, the kids open up. I go to Lumberton High School as a counselor. All it is is the office is open. And you come in and you open your hearts to me. And Reedy Branch, we, we got to be on point. Because what I'm getting ready to tell you about today, what I'm getting ready to tell you about today is what will cause a young man in ninth grade at Lumberton High School that I had to be in the office with the principal to send a phone call home this week saying, parents, we're safe here at school because a ninth grader brought a gun on campus at school this week. What in the world will cause a ninth grader, that six-year-old that you're talking about? It's the one that's going against our teaching of in his service. It is a force, it is a darkness that is alive and powerful and is seeking to steal the souls of our young people, our adults. It is working so hard against what we are doing right here. I'm not going to go as far as say that I feel like that darkness is winning. It'll never win the war. We've already won the war. The war is a done deal. We've already won. But Reedy Branch, there's some battles that's going on where that darkness is winning. That, that dark, that, 
that demon, that spirit, that something that causes a beautiful young person that I know in seventh grade and eighth grade that comes to me then in high school that I can see a difference in that later on I see and read about that young person in the paper or on on Facebook about what's going on in the life now. What in the world happened right there? What happened? Let me help you understand what I'm talking about when I tell you about some situations. I'm getting ready to tell you. I'm getting ready to read off to you some generic situations, but each one of these is a different young person that I dealt with. So I want you to just understand, and this is a little window. This is just me. This is not everybody I've dealt with. If you multiply this by another counselor, another counselor, another school, another county, another family, you'll understand. This is just me. This young man I dealt with at one point, he was scared to go home. And when I I found out who he was scared of, it was his mom and his daddy. This young lady, she sneaks out of her window at home. And daddy told me about how he had to put locks on the door that was on the outside in the hallway so she couldn't unlock it while she was in there. This young man doesn't have a home. He was sleeping on the buses at Lumberton High School, and he was going to the um, waiting rooms at the hospital is where he was sleeping at when I was dealing with him when we had to work with him. This other young man was scared of another young man of his life. She's scared of her boyfriend. She's also, this other young lady is scared of another girl who's going to end up beating her up, and she was nervous about it. This mama in my office is scared of her own son. He's bigger now. She's a single mother. What in the world is, what can I do, Mr. Hammonds? This young man in my office now, he's scared of a gang because of his daddy. His daddy was in the rival gang, and the rival gang can't get the gang, so what the rival gang is going to do is get him because he's the son of a gang member. He's scared of his own gang. This young man's in a gang and wants to get out of a gang, but can't. He don't know how to get out. This young man did it because he wants to be in a gang. That's why he done what he done to be suspended for 365 days. This young man is scared. This, this, she loves him. This young lady loves him, but he doesn't love her. This young man thinks that he likes him. And he's confused, and he comes to me, and he talks to me about how he don't understand these feelings that he has right here. You know your heart will lie to you. She says she's in love with her. He skips school all the time. She hates school. She cusses her mama out. He hates his father. Remember, each one of these is a different young person I'm telling you about. It's just a little window in time of what I've seen. She smokes marijuana. With her mother. And is confused. The question coming to me. Was not about. Should I smoke marijuana. And is marijuana bad. The question coming to me was. Mr. Hammonds. Is it a little different that. I'm smoking it with my mama. And my mama's the one. That's giving it to me. You know. What a unique situation right there. He's an alcoholic already. And he's in high school. She had to go to rehab. And I had to send the email out to the teachers because she's going to miss school for a week and a half while she's at this hospital. She doesn't know her father, and it's tearing her up. 
He is now a new father, and he's having to change his plans for what he told me he wanted to do because he knows now he's got to work full time. She's a single mother already, and she's in high school. She brought a knife to school because she felt like she had to prepare herself. She cuts herself on her arm, and that's why she wears a hoodie or a coat every day, even though it is August and even though it's hot because she doesn't want anybody to see right there and everything. He just got arrested. He's scared that he's going to be arrested. She just stole a car. He was with him when he robbed somebody. She's now in a group home because her grandma cannot keep her at home because she cannot have any control of her. He beat up a kid. She gets beat up by a kid. Her eyes are bloodshot right here in my office, and she will not let me call the nurse to come and take care of her. She hates herself she told me she cannot stand herself she hears voices and these voices are angels that she says is telling her to do things that she should not do he has an angel that is telling him that this is the only person he'll love is the angel he takes his wallet out and shows me a picture of the angel he says mr hammonds this is her this is who's telling me to do things in the middle of the night this is why i cannot sleep Because of her, she hates herself. He says it's an angel. She took a gun and robbed a store. I'll never forget her. She was ever bitter. Four foot three and a fireball in my classroom. Loved her to death until as she got grown, a classmate sent me a message on Facebook and said, Mr. Hammonds, pray for her. You remember her in your class, right? The video was a shotgun that looked like to me it was longer than her when she was in that store trying to rob that store. What would cause her to change like that? What would be such a drastic... Does anybody in 7th and 8th grade, does any ninth graders ever look at me and just say, what you want to do when you grow up? You know what I want to be? I want to be a drug addict, Miss Tammons. What you want to be when you grow up? I want to get arrested, Miss Hammonds, because I robbed the store. What you want to be when you grow up? Mr. Hammonds, I want to um, go to jail, and I want to be in jail for 25 years. And none of them say that. I want to be a doctor. I want to be a lawyer. Mr. Hammonds, I I just want to live a good life. Mr. Hammonds, I want to be a lineman. Mr. Hammonds, I want to do this. What in the world is the situation that causes them to change? He needs a letter written to the governor for mercy. This is his mama in my office because of what he did in South Carolina. And she wants me to write a letter to the governor while she's crying because she knows she's going to be in jail for a long time. And maybe this letter to the governor will make a difference. She says she wants to die sitting in my office. She had a little owl in her hand that was cut, and she was twisting that owl and looking at that owl, and she was just as calm and clear telling me how she was going to die, what she was going to do leaving my office, where the things were at that she was going to take to cause her to die. She would not leave my office. She would not leave my sight. I got up and closed the door. It was an alert that she has told me this, and it's going to happen. We called her mama. We called everything we could do. But just as calm looking at that owl as she wanted to do, I just felt like if she walked out of my office right then, she would have been in 15 minutes. She'd have been a dead young lady. This young man I'm telling you about now, he is dead. He, he did go that far. I'm trying not, you know, sometimes, and there's some funny things I'm going to tell you, but sometimes, sometimes we have to be hard. We have to be dark sometimes. 
I feel like if the Lord's called me to do this, that I cannot just be funny all the time and I can't just smile all the time from what I've seen. Every young person that's in here, I want to give you a warning for what's going on in life and what's outside of these doors. You need to be at Reedy Branch. You need to absorb everything that you're getting right here. You need to be in the choir. You need to pray. You need to be in the Word. You need to be in every bit of it because what is out there waiting for you will steal and kill and destroy your soul. I see it. And I see it, and I see it over and over again. And that was just a piece of the ones that I've talked to, an enemy, an evil spirit. And what I did, coming out of Proverbs chapter 7, is where I'm going to go to in a little bit. If you want to turn there, you can. But Proverbs chapter 7. But I read about in Proverbs chapter 7, and I thought about this force, and I thought about this even. I named her Daisy. I named her Daisy is what I named her. Daisy. I thought about Daisy, and I thought about how Daisy, and I'm getting ready to tell you a little bit why I named her Daisy, about this evil spirit. But here's the key. Here's the good thing. And I'm getting ready. Hopefully, I'll make you smile a little bit to try to get you up and down since we started so hard. The key to Daisy is you can anticipate her. That's the key, young people. I am not going to preach anything enough to you, and your mom and dad is not going to put you in a shelter, in a closet somewhere where you'll never have to anticipate this dark spirit. You're always going to have to, you're always going to have to intermingle with this dark spirit. It's always going to be there, but you can anticipate her. You can see her. You can see it coming. You can know it and then get away from it like that. And I tried to think of an example of where anticipation was important to me. So I remember the time when me and my wife got married. We got married. We were newlyweds. And you know how different people living together like that. And we rented this little tiny trailer. And we were just living on love, people. We were loving life in this little trailer. Couldn't tell us nothing, man. So one night in that little trailer, my wife, I had told her everything about me before we got married except one thing. She married a man that was scared of the dark. And to this day... To this day, I don't like it. I don't like it. Now, if your tire, if your tire goes flat at 3 in the morning near 916 Rennet Road, you come up and let me know, and I'll help you, but you better be telling me who you are and what church you go to and that you're saved and sanctified and give me the pastor's name and all that and everything while you're knocking on my door because I'm going to be scared to death, you know? In the dark like that, that's the way it is. So one night, talking about anticipation, I get up out of the bed, and I go down the hallway, and I go to the bathroom, and I leave all the lights off because I don't want to mess up my sleep and everything like that. But little did I know I had stirred my little wife. My new little wife needed to go to the bathroom too. So she wanted to be efficient with time. And what she decided to do is before he comes out of the bathroom, I'm going to go ahead and go. So while I was in the bathroom and I'm trying to keep my sleep and I'm trying to keep like that, little did I know she was, had got up and was coming down the hallway. Dark hallway, you can't see anything. So I come out of the bathroom like that, and I turn, and I start going down the hallway. I got my eyes halfway closed. I'm trying to keep my sleep. You know, I'm going like that. I did not know she was in the hallway with me. She's in the hallway with me. She's coming, I'm coming. She's coming, I'm coming. Boy, she's coming. She knows I'm in the hallway. She knows how I got up. We're coming together like that. She comes, she comes. She gets right where that roster's at, right in front of me like that. We are walking. I have no idea she's there. She looks at me, and she says, excuse me, baby. That's what she says. Excuse me, baby. That's my response. You know, like that, that. She jumps back like that and says, what is wrong with you? I said, what is wrong with you? You know, like that and everything. What are you doing? She said, what? Where are you going? She says, I'm just going to the bathroom. I said, you go. I'll be waiting for you when you get back. I said, you go right ahead. When she come out of the hallway to the bathroom, every light in the little trailer was on from that end to that end. 
She said, what have you turned all the lights on for? I was sitting up in the bed right like that. She said, I said, listen, I said, listen, we're married. I said, we're married, and I love you like that. Good, great. She said, yeah. She said, what is all the lights on? I said, we're married. I said, listen, I said, if we get up in the middle of the night, either one of us, either one of us get up in the middle of the night. I said, let's do something. Let's stay right here in the bed and not move. Let's stay right here. Let's stay right here in the bed. Let's not get up till the other one comes back. I said, but, I said, but, if you have to get up, I understand. If you've got to get up, I, but I said, if you get up, I said, if you get in that hallway and I'm in the bathroom, you go ahead and let me know. Baby, I'm in the hallway. I'm in the hallway. Let me anticipate that you're there. Let me anticipate. And I'm going to say, baby, I hear you, you know, like that and everything. And we'll go right by each other and we're going through because I needed to anticipate her. And that idea makes me think, all those young people that I told you about, young people, so many are in the hallway of life. And it's dark. And they're loving life. They're having a good time. They're making good grades. They're making, they're going to, uh, they're on honor roll and in the beta club like that. They want Mr. Hammers to write them a recommendation so they can go to Carolina. But they're walking in that hallway and they're not anticipating. And somebody else is in the hallway with them. Somebody else is there that they have no clue about. They have no experience about. And I described her as Daisy. D-A-I-S-Y. Drugs, alcohol, influences, premarital sex, and yearnings. That's what I thought about. D-A-I. This is not all-inclusive because there's a whole lot of other avenues, but I want young people to understand. D-A-I-S-Y. You know we have an addiction problem in North Carolina. We have an addiction problem of drugs in Robinson County. We have an addiction problem in Saddle Tree, where I'm from. We have an addiction problem on Rennet Road, right down three houses from me and three houses from me. We have an addiction problem in my family. We have addiction problems all around us. And it is now completely opened up. In the 50s or the 60s, you might have had a harder time finding the drug dealer. But now you can find him on Snapchat. Now you can find him on TikTok. Now you can find him on text and anything like that. You can work it all out. It's a piece of cake. Get it what you want. You can easily have it. Your cousin's got it right there. We find it at Lumberton High School often. It is not because Lumberton's any different. You go to St. Paul's, they find it often. You go to Red Springs, they find it often. You go to Charlotte, they find it often. You go to Raleigh in the neighborhood where every house is $250,000 and Daisy's still in there. Dealing with them. It ain't got nothing to do with race. It ain't got nothing to do with money. It ain't got nothing to do with A. It ain't got nothing to do with any of that. The, I, the A stands for alcohol. It's an old enemy that is still there. The I stands for influences, negative influences, being influenced by everything around, everything trying to grow, everything when it comes to money, popularity. The S stands for sex, premarital sex. I want young people to understand something. Sex in the marriage is biblical, but outside of it, it will destroy your soul. It would destroy your character. It would, it would bring darkness into your life. I see it over and over and over again. And that why is the yearnings, the, the yearning to have what is considered better, the yearning to have what is considered more. I'm just raised with my grandma, Mr. Hammonds, and I wear the same clothes every other week, and I'm going to do what I have to do, whether it's right or wrong, to get more money in my pocket so I ain't got to live the way I'm living right now. And that's the devil sneaking in the ear like that, saying, here's a way you can make some money. Here's a way that you can have it like that over and over and over again. But the good news about Proverbs chapter 7 is King Solomon told a story. And this story in Proverbs chapter 7 is such a perfect 
example. I want to say King Solomon literally saw this, and King Solomon wrote this. It, it's so good, it matches then, it matched 100 years ago, 50 years ago, it matches now. This story will be relevant 100 years from now about what he saw and how he saw this spirit. If you got your Bibles, turn with me to Proverbs chapter 7. I want you to see, mamas and daddies, I want this to be a foundation of your raising of your children. If you got them four, five, six, seven, and eight years old, by the time they get 17 to 20 years old and you mention Proverbs chapter 7, they should know every detail that's in there. Yeah, mama, you told me, I don't know how many times. Beware of Daisy. That Daisy in Proverbs chapter 7. It is such a perfect example. Look with me at Proverbs chapter 7 and the writer is, re, is writing this to his son. So I want you to tie into the fact of telling this story is to somebody this writer loves. This writer is talking to their son, and they say, My son, keep my words. And if you don't mind, staying with me. I'm going to read a portion of it, and then we'll pray, and then I'm going to eventually go through the whole chapter. All right, Proverbs chapter 7, verse 1. My son, keep my words and treasure my commands within you. He says in verse 2, Keep my commandments, my son, and live. Keep the law as the apple of your eye, he says in verse 3. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablets of your heart. He says, my son, in verse 4, say to wisdom you are my sister, my son. You got to gain wisdom and call understanding your nearest kin, he says in verse 5. Because if you do what I told you in verses 1 through 4, if you keep my words, if you keep my commandments and the law is the apple of your eye, if you bind them on your fingers, if you write them on the tablet of your heart, if you say to wisdom, you are my sister. In verse 5, he said, they'll keep you from the immoral woman. They'll keep you from the seductress who flatters. They'll keep you from that dark, evil spirit. They'll keep you from Daisy. Dear Lord, thank you for the reading of your word. I ask as we continue to read that you'll help it to and, and imply it into our hearts. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You see what he says right there. You see, he's building up right here. Son, I'm getting ready to tell you. Son, I'm getting ready to tell you. Son, he says, son, I love you, and I'm getting ready to tell you. Now, look what he says in verse 6. Reality TV. Reality TV is hot all over the channels now, man. You're seeing people in the pseudo Real world, and our people love seeing that. Look what he says right here in verse 6. For at the window of my house, I look through the lattice, and he's telling you what he's getting ready to see. And it's an interaction of a young man and a woman that is a perfect illustration of young people, old people, grown people, and the interaction with this evil spirit that we interact with all the time. It is right here laid out before us. The devil does not like the fact that you and I are going over this today because it is the game plan. It is exactly what the devil likes to do. It, if we, we can anticipate if we know. Look what he says in verse 6 again. Looking through the lattice of my house, I look down, and now look at verse 7. Here's the description of the victim. Think of young people in your life. Think of you when you were young. Look what he says right here. He says in verse 7, And I saw among the simple, I perceived among the youths a young man void of understanding. He sees a young man down there that he describes as simple. Void of understanding. 
A young man maybe whose mom and daddy is not in his life and is teaching him. A young man who's probably not active at Reedy Branch on Wednesday nights. A young man who is not um, one that has been taught about the ways of the world and the evils of the world. A young man who is not in this sanctuary right now to allow me to tell him what to look out for and anticipate what's out there. He's just simple. He's void of understanding. How many young people when I stand at Lumberton High School and they come by me a thousand every period are just simple, wonderful young people i'm not saying they're terrible i'm not saying they're bad i'm just saying they're unchurched they're unchurched more and more in my line of questions for every young person in the stress that comes and sits before me in that question is always going to be are you involved and attached to a church more and more and more reedy branch i'm finding more and more young people that the answer to that is no and then my question is was there a church in, in history? And, you know, maybe COVID now, you know, you, you, y'all haven't been back or anything like that. But because there's, and I tell them, there's a pastor that'll love you. There's senior ladies there that'll love you. There's youth leaders that'll love you. A church is just a house of love and support for you. Maybe there was one. More and more and more, Reedy Branch, I'm getting the answer of no. And then my question is, so you, you, have, you are not part of, you've never been to church or anything like that. And the answer comes back, no, Miss Stanley, never been at all. Ever, ever, ever. Not part of a church. That's the description right here of a simple person, a young man void of understanding. Look at verse 8. This young man is passing along the street near her corner, and he took the path to her house. You see, he's drawn to her. There's something about her that's drawing him. Look at verse 9 right there. In the twilight, in the evening, in the black, in the dark night. All of that is important for us to teach our young people. Be careful in the darkness. Be careful at night. Be careful late at night. Be careful when you are drawn near to her house. And you know that party that you shouldn't be going to. You know that event that you should stay away from. You know going to the beach who's getting the house that you should not be going in the house. Be careful. Described right there. Now let's look at the description of Daisy. Look at verse 10. There was a woman who met this young man. See, she met him at the door. And I want you to notice some good news and some bad news. Number one in verse 10, Daisy, this evil spirit, is dressed as the, with the attire of a harlot. So that means she's dressed in a way, young people, that we can identify that she's up to no good. Now, she's sneaky because the very next thing you read about her right there, she's got a crafty heart. She's crafty. Oh, she's slick. She's smart. She knows. She meets him at the door. He has the first opportunity. Actually, it's the second opportunity because the first opportunity is he didn't even have to go around her. He didn't have to go around the house. He could have went somewhere else. But the second opportunity, as soon as he saw her, he should have known it and said, "Mm, this is who grandma tells me I better not be dealing with. This is who um, my youth leaders told me about. Mm, I better get away from him. This is who um, preacher Adrian preached about. I better get away from him. But, but look at her right here. She's crafty. She's slick. She's smart. I want you to notice something else about her in verse 11. She's loud and rebellious. I like young people to know something about her. She's well known. She's loud. She don't care that we know. She don't care that I'm telling you about it. You know why? Because she's had so much success in years past. She can say, you get up there and tell them, preacher. You get up there and tell them all you want to tell them. I'm still going to get them. She's loud. She's, She's not trying to hide it it's all out there and it's all in our families like that she's loud and it makes me think of how she is rebellious which means she's stubborn she's not going to stop 
Young people, I thought when I got in high school, maybe the drawing to do something bad would stop. It got worse. I thought when I got to college, it would stop. It got worse. I thought when I met a woman and I met a, a good Christian girl, maybe then I could make better decisions and this drawing for darkness is going to stop. It's still there. You might think that when you retire, you might think that when you get old and see now, she's still going to be there. Now, we can get saved and sanctified like I am, and a lot of you are, but she still ain't going to stop. She still ain't going to stop. It don't matter what we believe. It don't matter what we think. She still thinks that she can steal our soul, a thorn in the side, poking in the neck like that, poking inside of your side. And young people, if you are not active in your church, if you're not up here singing in the choir, if you don't have that word that you are studying it like that, how are you going to go against somebody so crafty, somebody so rebellious? Look what it says right there in verse 11 about her. Her feet would not stay at home, which means she is out and about. She is out and about. Now, I'm a firm believer that I would like prayer to be in school. I would like prayer to be in school. I would. And I've had phone calls called to the pastor, well, I meant to the, to the pastor, to the principal, where the principal comes to me and says, uh, Mr. Hams, I'm just letting you know that that prayer you did the other day at blah, blah, event or something like that, somebody called the board and everything like that. You know, I would love prayer to be in school, but that ain't the whole purpose of school is to teach a child to stay away from Daisy. It's mom and daddy's responsibility. It's grandma and grandpa's responsibility. I put more on it on the church. It's, it's our responsibility. We know about souls. We know about souls and taking care of souls like that. So she's out and about everywhere. She's in the schools, but she's also down the road. She's at the football game. She's also in in the cell phone. She's also on the internet. She's at the game. She's on the radio. She's in Facebook. She's on TV. She's in movies. She's in the classroom. She's in your mind. You can be blind. She'll come in your ear. You can be deaf. She'll come in your eyes. You can be blind and deaf. She still gets in your mind. She can steal the soul of a blind and deaf teenager by going right there in the brain like that. Technology will never get greater than her ability to be able to use it. It's different now than it was 50 years ago, but she's still going to use it. She used rock and roll back in the day. She'll go right now and use that iPhone 14. I can't even imagine what's going to be going on 50 years from now, but Daisy will use it. Young people, you got to be able to anticipate do I think a phone is the, is the am I, do I have one that I just set over there? Yeah, I do and everything. But am I aware of the fact that that right there can be a way for Daisy to steal my soul? You got to be careful because the description of her right there is she would not stay at home. At times she was outside, at times she was in the open square lurking at every corner. She's out and about. Now let's get to the tactics of Daisy. Look right here at how Daisy likes to attack. Verse 13. So her and this young man are together. This young man is void of understanding. This young man doesn't want to go to hell. So she caught him and the first thing she done is she kissed him with an impudent face. She kissed him I call it shocking comfort. She kissed him. You know he walked up there like that, and he was nervous, and he probably had one foot like this, ready, ready to take off running this way. What does she do? What does evil, what does stole stealing like to do initially? Make you feel good. Boy, ain't it an evil tactic. Ain't it ugly the way the devil's got it lined up. Made me think about when I was dating Cynthia, and it made me think about, I was at UNCP, and I had been noticing her. I had been seeing her around and seeing her aura and everything, and I knew she went to church and all of that, and I said, hmm, she might be the lucky one. Hmm, let me see, and everything like that. 
she might be, I said, hmm, let's see. You know what? We'll give it a chance right here. Let me see if I can bring some blessings to this young lady and everything like that. You know what I mean? So I decided to ask her out on a date. Now, in reality, I was nervous. I was scared. I didn't know what she was going to say. God, Cynthia carries herself well and everything like that. And when I went to ask her for a date, she caught me off guard because she was there in front of me looking the other way. And when I walked up, she turned around real quick and was right there in my face like that. And I said, hey, hey, like that and everything. And I said, hey, yeah, yeah, Cynthia, how you doing, girl? You know, like that and everything, you know? And I said, well, um, 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 I said, um, the fair's in town. The fair's in town. And I said, I got a car and, um, I'm going to, I'm going to drive my car, you know, to the fair and everything like that. And when I drive my car, I got an extra seat over here like that and everything. And, you know, I was going to drive it to the fair, but Cynthia, what about, um, if I drive, if I drive it, you sit down with me in the seat right there and then I drive it and then we go to the fair like that. And then she looked at me, you know, like that there. And she's like, wait a minute. She said, so you asking me to go to the fair with you? And I said, yeah, you know, like this here, because I knew I had messed up and everything like that. So that was me right there, nervous. That was me scared. That's Cynthia right there. I'm just like that young man. And I'm right, what, did, what if Cynthia would have grabbed me by the face like that? And what if she said, and she'd have kissed me like that? Don't you know? Don't you know I'd have looked around like that? I'd have said, I'd take that for a yes. <laughs> 7.30, 7.30, I picked you up, you know? You see, how, you see how in that situation of my question and concern, her kiss would have comforted me. Guess what, young people? Guess what we need to remind them adults? You've been through this. Guess what the devil likes to do? Initially, likes to make you feel good. I'm going to say something that, I'm going to say something we ain't supposed to say. But the initial taste of sin... The initial taste of sin is good. We, uh, grown people know that. We hate to even tell the young people that and everything. You don't have to worry about the drug addict the very first time he takes the hit. Now, you have to worry about the drug addict the 25th time he takes the hit because that's when you have to start hiding your purse at the house, and that's when teeth are falling out, and that's when weights come down about 40 pounds, and that's when they're looking to steal something all over the place like that. You don't have to worry about alcohol that first taste but four or five years down the road, that's the alcoholic that's driving down the road that has the head-on collision like that and kills the woman and the baby in front of them riding down the road. Young people, I want you to understand something. Understand, it's a tactic of the devil to steal your soul that when you branch out from Reedy Branch and your grandma and the teachings of, the, of what you've been taught in the places where your grandma and preacher Adrian and the pastor I never see you and nobody's going to know but you dabble in sin the very first time it's a tactic of the devil for it to be good for you to like it because the hook is there the grabbing is there, and she caught him with a kiss. Look what she did next right there. She said in, in the continuing, and now she says in verse 14, she said, listen, young man, I have peace offerings with me. I have paid my vows. She's offering the image that she is good. You can trust me. I've paid my vows. I, you, you, I'm not who it looks like I am. I have made, I've done good things in life. Sin and the devil likes to take things that appear to be good and draw you in there and can still steal your soul through that. 
That's just a basketball game. That's all I'm going to. It's just a football game. That's all. It's just Snapchat. That's all it is. It ain't nothing but me being able to talk to my friends. That's all it is. It ain't nothing but a hard tea. That's all it is. It ain't really a whole lot of alcohol. It's just marijuana. That's all it is. I would never do that other stuff. But, hey, it's, it's illegal now in, in um, Colorado and so many other states and everything. There must not be nothing wrong with it, you know. Trying to change the mindset that the great generations that came before me all knew that it was all bad. Trying to change that now. You see, it ain't quite as bad. You, you can handle yourself with it like that. That's the tactic that she uses right there. She offers him, the, oh, look what she does next in verse 16. I have spread my bed with tapestry. I have colored coverings of Egyptian linen. Come into my house. I have the best. She offers him the best. We live in a poor county here in Robinson County. We have a lot of um, young people who there's not a whole lot of money. I have to talk to them all the time because clothes are not being washed. Clothes are being worn over and over and over again. Um, you know, just can't go on the trip. Come see us. Thank God for churches because I had churches that donate money to me to give to the money lady at Lumberton High School that we can pay for trips for kids. Can't buy a cap and gown. Can't buy a yearbook. There's just a whole, this money is suppressed, Reedy Branch, and it's real. But this evil spirit likes to offer young people that if you will take these steps this way, your life will be better. It'll be better. I remember at Magnolia, we were outside one time on a fire drill, and I heard the thumping of a car coming down like that. And as soon as the kids heard it, they turned around like that, and it was a big SUV that looked like it had 44-inch rims on it. It looked like you'd have had to get a ladder to climb up on top of it like that, and the windows were so black and tinted, but it was thumping like that. Them kids were, oh, boy, they clapped like that and everything. When we got back in the room, they were still talking about it. And I heard one of them say, you know who that was? And I said, who was that? And that girl turned back like this and everything. And I said, who was that? She said, Mr. Hammond, you don't know who that was, do you? I said, no. She looked around like that. Then she said, Mr. Hammond, she said, that's, that's the drug dealer. That's the drug dealer. Now, the clapping that went on for them kids out there was clapping as if it was the pastor that come by who is guiding the church and saving souls. But the clapping and all the kids in there knew that it was the drug dealer. Now, in the back of those young people's mind, how many of them living with grandma and wearing the same clothes every week and can't go on the trip because they can't pay for it? How many of them are thinking, if I could just sell drugs a little bit, just get me some money. If I could just, but young people, it's a tactic. It's a tactic of the devil because she offered the best right there, a better life. You know the beer commercials? are the happiest, most beautiful, the most colorful people having the greatest time in the world on the beer commercials because they want you to tie into joy and happiness with Budweiser, joy and happiness with greatness. You don't have a beer commercial where the state trooper's there from a head-on collision from a drunk driving accident where the driver's got his hands behind his back. Drink Budweiser because this is what happened to you. It's a tactic. It's a tool. It's a way to fool you into it. Look what she does right there in verse 18. Come, she says. No, she doesn't do this. Come, she says. No, she doesn't tap him in the heart. Come, she says, and let us take our fill of love until the morning. No, she don't offer love to that young man. No, she would not go there. Is love off the record? Is love untouchable by this evil spirit? Is love something that is only godly and that's it? Is it something that this evil spirit won't do? No, this evil spirit will fool you through love. I saw a commercial where it says love is love. And it was all these different relationships that are inappropriate relationships. But love is love. No love ain't love either. No love ain't love. There's one love. There's a godly love called agape love. And that's it. 
And that's the one love, and that's the only way. I'm not saying you won't fall in love, and I'm not saying you won't have feelings, and I'm not saying you won't have attractions right there or something like that, but you better anticipate that. You better anticipate that that's wrong and turn yourself and go the other way like that. Your heart will lie to you, young people. Just because you're, I've had them tell me and say, Mr. Hammonds, I know I shouldn't. I know I shouldn't be in this relationship, but I feel in my heart that I, that I love him. I can't say to that young person what I want to say that if it was my daughter, but I want to say your heart will lie to you. Your heart's a lie face. That's what it is. You, you better be careful. You better watch out who you give your heart to, who you fall in love with. And young people, take heed of your mom and dad and your grandma and grandpa and the spirit that they're feeling coming from a person. You bring a person home, and everything about that person is right for you. But your mom and your daddy takes you to the side and whispers to you and says, I, I don't feel right about him. I, I don't, I'm not feeling something good about him. You better take heed to that. Holy Spirit and your mom and daddy, Holy Spirit and your grandma and grandpa telling you that they're feeling something about that other person right there, you better be careful because love can be a tactic of this spirit. Look right there as we keep reading in verse 19. And then she tries to reassure him, my husband's not home. He's going on a long journey. She tries to reassure him. Maybe the last thing is you're scared because we're going to get caught. We're never going to get caught. How many times, grown people, have you and I been in a situation where we know we're not supposed to be at and we're looking around and we're thinking, ain't nobody going to know. Ain't nobody going to see it. Oh, look at what she does right there. Now what happens to him? Let's see what happens to him right now. Go to verse 21. With her enticing speech, she caused him to yield. With her flattering lips, she seduced him. He made the choice to go. It was her flattering lips. It was her seduction. It was the game she played. It was the presentation. It was all of that that caused a Good young man who had a bright future to take that step into that house. And we see it over and over and over again. But we can anticipate her. We can look at the situation and know. We can make a difference. Young people, you can. You can pray about it. Now let's see what happens to him now. Verse 22. Immediately he went after her. And there's three descriptions of what's going to happen to this young man, young people. I like to make you laugh. I like to tell you a joke. I love young people, but this ain't the sermon for that. Listen to me, young people. What happens to him when he goes into this house? There's three descriptions. Immediately he went after her as an ox goes to the slaughter. I'm going to come back to that one. Verse 22 says, immediately he went after her as a fool in the correction of the stocks, in a trap. As a fool in a trap. And doesn't realize that's a trap. Look at the next description of, of this young man. Verse 23, to an arrow strike his liver. He's in that trap, to an arrow strikes his liver. And look at verse 23. He also goes in there and hastens to the snare. And he didn't know that it was cost his life. It's a net getting ready to catch him. It's a trap getting ready to catch him. All the evidence was there that you should not go in. But her seductive lips. Her, her, she seduced him to take their steps in there. But my Mary, the one that struck, I mean, uh, Reedy Branch, the one that struck me the most is verse 22. He goes to her as an ox goes to the slaughter. As an ox goes to, I tried to think of an analogy of today. The young people can realize that. So those hog trucks come by us all the time on the road. And you know how they smell really bad and everything like that. When an ox going to the slaughter made me think that at one point at that farm, those hogs were probably happy 
and were probably being fed, and they were probably talking to each other, saying, boy, the fans is on and everything's good. And then at one point, young people, a truck backs up. Beep, beep, beep. I bet you them hogs turned, the mirrors went up like that, and I bet you they said, now what is that? I don't know what that is. I don't know. All of a sudden, the door opens at the end of the farm like that. The door of the truck opens up. A ramp comes down, and that farmer comes in and starts slapping them hogs, and those hogs start running on the truck. These back here say, what you think we should do? I don't know, but they're all going in there. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't know what's going on, but I'm following them. I'm following them, just like young people, having no clue. They follow them on that truck like that. Man, that door slams on that truck. Truck goes down the road. It starts vibrating. Them hogs is like, whoa, you feel that? And they're like, yeah, this is awesome, ain't it? And they're like, feel the breeze. And they're like, yeah. One of them's like, I'm looking over the edge right here, man. And I'm like, man, we're going fast. And I bet they're like, whoa, you know, like that. Having no idea. Young people going through life. Young people walking around, not going to Reedy Branch, not studying on Wednesday nights, not studying the Word, not paying attention when the pastor's preaching like that, not listening to the, um, not listening to their mom and daddy trying to tell them what to do. Young people that's not doing their homework. Young people that's skipping school and everything. Young people that's not trying to make the best of themselves. Young people not doing the motto of the church to live and serve because He loves us. Young people that think that they know it. Young people that think that they understand it. Young people that think that they're above us and everybody else like that, even though we're experienced with it. That's young people that's on the truck and they're going down the road and they're feeling the breeze and they're loving it. And they have no idea where the truck is going. They have no idea. All of a sudden the truck stops and they hear beep, beep, beep. And when they hear that, the hogs go, yeah. They say, last time we heard this, we got on this truck. When the door opens in the truck and the ramp goes down, ain't nobody got to slap them to get off because they were so happy to get on and they had such a good ride. Let's go, boys, let's go. And they take off like that and they have no idea where they're at. They have no idea they're at the hog plant. And when they walk in that hog plant right there, they walk on the kill floor. And when they walk on the kill floor, they did that quick. They did that quick. Young people, I might not ever get to come back. Might not ever get to, but I'm here to tell you something that I see over and over again. I see young people on that truck of life going forward. And I have done it long enough to see the outcome where young people die. I've been on enough funerals. I've been on funerals of my youth group. More than one at Mount Airy Baptist Church. She was in my flock. He was under me seventh grade all the way through college. But I didn't teach enough. I didn't preach enough. I didn't love enough to protect him or her from Daisy. And Daisy still took him. Still took him out of this world. Young people, you better be aware. Now I'm closing with verse 24. 25, 26, 27, 28. Listen at what this writer says. And when I'm reading right here, young people, it's coming from the mouth of your pastor, coming from the mouth of your grandma and your grandpa, your aunt and your uncle, your mama. I wish we all could stand up and look at you. And I wish, and I, wish I could say this to every young person that's in front of me at Lumberton High School. Verse 24, listen to me, my children. Pay attention to the words of my mouth. Do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. Don't let your heart turn to evil. Don't stray into her paths. You stay on the straight and narrow. You do good things in life. Look at verse 26. For she's cast down many wounded. That's a hint right there. When you get wounded in life, 
When you get heartbroken, when you get slapped around, when you don't make the basketball team, when you get the test score back and you flunked it, when you don't get accepted at the college you want to go to, when your mom and daddy gets in a divorce, when all of those things in life that truly hurt you, she likes to attack. She's cast down many wounded. And all who were slain by her were strong men, many a politician, many a basketball player, many a rich person, many a, many a Mr. Beast YouTuber, many of those like that who's done supposedly great things in the world. She still has slain them. Look what it says in verse 27. Her house is the way to hell, descending to the chambers of death. Young people, one of the last things I'm going to tell you is that hell is real. And if you're not saved, you'll go to hell. As much as I like to laugh, as much as I like to have a good time, young people, there is a hell, no matter what the world tells you and how much thinking and how much people who say they're as smart as they're going to be saying we're creating all this in our mind, hell is real. And if you don't love the Lord and get saved, if you allow Daisy to take you, you will go to hell. What's the solution? Two things as I get ready to close. Anticipate Daisy. Anticipate Daisy, but the best way to anticipate Daisy, young people, is to allow this Savior that I know to come into your heart. It is not complicated. You are not going to correct everything that you've done wrong in the past. You could currently be in ISS. You can currently be suspended for 10 days because you got in a fight at the high school. None of that matters today. All you have to do is truly in your heart say, Lord, forgive me for my sins. I want to be a Christian. Lord, help me with Daisy. If you pray that prayer and you mean it, then the Lord's going to send himself in the form of the Holy Spirit to come into your heart. You're not going to be by yourself. You're going to have the Holy Spirit with you. And then when you're walking through this life and she's right there, not only will your intellectual mind make you look around and say, maybe this is a bad idea, but you'll get a sweet, soft feeling in your spirit. And it'll say, you might need to turn around. It'll say, you might need to go the other way. Is there anybody in here who's grown that knows what I'm talking about? Let, let me let, let's let them see if it's real or not. Raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. If you're young in here, look around. Look around. This is grown people who tells you that they know of situations that they've been in. Adults, I challenge you. We, we don't like our young people to know our deep, dark secrets. But before they get 12, 13, 14, 15, and 16... Whatever situations you can to set them in front of you to say, let me tell you about a situation I was in one time, about that preacher was talking about today. I was in a situation like that. I didn't go. I came back. I went this way, and then tell them what happened to whoever was there or what was going on to let them know it's real. It's real, young people. I know that the pastor told me we got someone getting ready to come and sing for us, and that person can prepare to come and sing. But while this last song is going on, the altar is open at Reedy Branch. I know Reedy Branch enough to know that the altar is open. If you're a mom and daddy here at 2023 and you have a wayward child or uh, you want to come and pray, the altar is open if you want to come and pray. If you have a wonderful Christian child who's doing good but you are concerned, mamas and daddies can come. If you're a grandma or grandpa and you're raising that child or you've got wayward grown children who's raising that child, 
then you can also pray. You can pray right there where you're at if you want to, but the altar is open if you want to come up here and you want to pray. If there's any young people who are here and you're saved and you feel like, I want to get stronger this year, this is 2023, then while she's singing this song, you can come up here and pray. I don't have to say anything. The pastor's right there for you. I mean, if you want to tell us something, you can. We don't have to. You can pray uh, for 30 seconds and go back and sit down. It is powerful for you to take the uh, um, driving, to take the notion for you to come out of that pew and to come up here and pray. If you're a young person here today and you're unsaved, and you and say, I challenge you, give your heart to the Lord. Daisy is growing, I just think. I think she's getting worse and worse and worse. I, I don't know how long God is going to allow it to occur. The old people say we're in the last days. And I didn't believe that when I was younger. But from what I see dealing with young people, I just don't understand how it can continue to get worse and worse like that. So I don't know how long we're promised to be here, but children, if you're a young person, if you're five years old, if you're eight years old, 15 years old, if you got saved in the children's department when you were three or four or five, but right now you don't know, that's all right. You come up. Pastor, be here. You spend some time with the Lord. You'll bow your heads. We'll pray. Dear Lord, thank you for the whole service today, Lord. I ask, Lord, under the sound of my voice that we're praying for those who need prayer today, Lord, that'll be bold enough that if they're led, that they'll come up and they'll spend some time with you, Lord. Or that it's all right, that they'll pray right there where they're at, sitting in that pew, as this young lady sings. In your precious name we pray. Amen.